0: Guys, so who are you trying to be? How do you want people to know you? I don't mean your your name, but who are you trying to be? When I ask this question to teens, and I do, of course, like I offer these kind of options: um, underachiever, troublemaker. Disappointment, scholar, living right, man of God, um, good daughter. You could add good daughter when you're still 50 years old. Remember that issue right there. Um, but most of you are beyond your impressionable years, you're beyond your teen years. So this hustle gets a little bit closer to home. You know your hustle, you know who you're still trying to be now has someone in your life called you something else has someone who has a lot of sway in your life who has a lot of weight in your life called you something else have you heard someone call you stupid too much trouble going to be like his older brother. I wish you were never born. Has someone told you this perhaps maybe when you were that impressionable teen and it has led you to make decisions that has affected your life today? Or do you hear these words in your head? And they're coming from yourself. You are the one saying these harsh words towards you. You're the one that is keeping you small, keeping you hidden because you're speaking these words. Like you've heard of gaslighters? Like you are the one that's gaslighting your own life with those words. And you can't believe how harsh the words are that you speak to yourself. Yay. So who are you trying to be? What is the source of your hustle? What is your source of your self-justification? What is the source of this identity that is keeping you feeling like you're not enough? That you are still, despite this wonderful life you're living, that you're still not enough. So from this point we're gonna look at a story found in the book of Mark. Jesus, when he met a young man, and started at Mark 10, 17 through 22. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good, Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. you shall not defraud. Honor your mother, father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all of these I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go, sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. At this, the man's face fell, and he went away sad. Look at this man's hustle. You can see who he was trying to be, to be as perfect as he could be, to be as good as he could be. He worked hard at this, and now he wanted to get the approval of the great teacher. So he had this opportunity, to run up to Jesus, could this great teacher give him this approval? Maybe if this great teacher said, yes, you are a good man, it would make him enough. But my favorite part of this whole story is in verse 21. And that's when Jesus looked at him and loved him. In the contemporary English version, which is one of my favorite versions to read, that's actually interpreted as liked. It says Jesus looked at him and liked him. That being liked is different than being loved, right? Jesus liked him. And it had little to do with his hustle, had little to do with how good he was and how many commandments he kept. He just liked him. This is Romans five eight again. This is the verse we've been using for this entire series. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this, while we're still sinners. Christ died for us. He's always liked and loved us. Always. Yet, this is the tricky part, there's so much weight to this. Because when your hustle is your identity, who you're always trying to be, something where this is, and those words have shaped you and made decisions for you and, and guided your life, there's so much weight to this. Then it becomes one wrong, one wrong move, and one wrong decision, and you certainly cannot fail because this changes your identity, right? And along with this comes this this problem of discernment because we we're, we have this weight of being in this hustle, being in our identity that. By the words we tell ourselves, our expectations on ourselves, or expectations of somebody else. And we need to discern, are those expectations for real, or did I misread somebody's words towards me? Did I misread someone's expectations of me? And we don't know, because if you think about it, no loving parent would really do this to you. So then my parent not loving? i it can't go there, so those words must be true. Perfectionism for a bit. Um, Perfectionism is this belief that if we do things perfectly and look perfect, we can minimize or avoid the pain of blame, judgment, and shame. Perfectionism is a self destructive and addictive belief system that if you can be perfect in everything. you're going to finally get those words that your soul craves but perfectionism is really a form of shame but you can follow with me at this very moment and I ask at this moment I've been praying for this for weeks I wrote this sermon six weeks ago you guys for the next 20 minutes like, drop your masks Let yourself be seen. Let these words come in so so we can see you as your church family. Perfectionism Perfectionism is a trap because it feels responsible. I mean, really, you're doing good things. striving is focused on you. Healthy striving says, how can I improve? So there's so many situations in my life. How can I improve? How can I, I can become this better person? How can I become this better Christian? How can I make this world a better place? I'm looking at me affecting this world. This is healthy striving. Perfectionism says, what will they do? it is to understand if the they is for you or not if the they is real or not if the they is somebody you should respect and try to do good things for or if it's just an unrealistic expectation there's so much here to discern and understand and we don't talk about it because it's easier to be good easier to do those things, to get those words that feed this empty soul. That's been hustling for a long time. Shame is at the root of all of this. Shame is such a big part of this religion of enoughness. It is doing everything it can to keep us small, to steal our story, that we cannot be who God has created us to be. And I want to show you the difference between shame and guilt. I'm pro guilt again. Pro guilt keeps us following God, keeps us on that right path. It, it twinges our soul when things might be going wrong to get us back on the right path. I'm pro guilt. But shame, whole other story. So, guilt is. I did something bad. Shame is, I am bad. Guilt is, great girl, really bad choice. Shame is, bad girl. Guilt is, I did something bad, I must get on the right path. Shame is, I can never be on that right path again. Guilt, that was stupid. Shame, I am stupid. Guilt is a helper to keep us on the path. Shame is a killer to keep us from being who God created us to be. Guilt, I failed. Shame, I am a failure. Guilt, I am enough. I will do better next time. Shame. You are never smart enough, thin enough, good enough. Whatever that blank is. this rich young man again from our Bible story. When you hear that story. Do you see his list of doing? His list of validating his existence? His list of validating his faith to not tend to not let anyone down? Wondering what everyone will think. That maybe this great teacher Jesus will give them that validation and it Verse comes out of the parable of the prodigal son. I used this verse three weeks ago. This the same hustle. We got the we know the story of the prodigal son and the bad son whose guilt <laughs> kept him away and then the shame kept him far away. He didn't get back on the right path, and he comes home and he gets the party. And the older son, who stayed there and worked and worked and worked and worked and hustled for his dad's approval, he gets angry with his. Always with me, and everything I have is yours. This is the truth about you. You're always with God. You are always this. You were born with an identity. You are born with a purpose. These words that were spoken over you, whether by you, by somebody else, how you're the the the, the, sh, the path that shame has led you on has not changed the fact that you were born. And you were born with this purpose where the Father says, everything I have is yours. just kind of like, whoa. Um, we talk a lot about our, a, a, a church word is our identity in Christ. This is what I mean. And sometimes we turn this identity in Christ to much of a church word that we can't attain. Because this is what I want you to obtain. When we can find our identity in Christ, all of a sudden our whole outlook changes. This is, where, this is where everything comes forth from this is where I believe when you understand Romans 5.8 you you know, your life is measured differently from that point on when we understand Luke 15.31 and we just have everything already we can live our life differently from that point on and this is where Pastor Matt and I have been praying for and this is where the direction we want this to go from this point on it becomes different so i help you guys Find your identity, Christ, and live in that, but not use that as a cliche, but to be that. I put together some things to help us get there, some practical things to help us to get there. Because, again, I want you to be off. I want you to be seen in this church. So one of those things is um, breathe. you're slowing your, your brain down, Just you know, everybody knows to do this, but what you're also saying at that moment is, I'm here and now, in this moment, I'm a breathing and I'm alive in this moment, I'm not in the past that has me this anxiety, I'm bringing myself to this very present who I am today, it's a little thing, but to keep you in the present can help minimize those words. brave and probably do some changes in your life. Changes vulnerable and necessary. And one of those things that you may need to change is to put some boundaries on some of these relationships. Um, those relationships, oh, you, know, you know the ones I'm talking about already. Um, boundaries are this wonderful gift that define who we are. I mean, it's really, it's a boundary this is who I am. This is my identity in Christ, and it is always boundary Not a blurry thing, it is a boundary thing. Now, one of the, the book we're using for the second hour, and we used um, in the book club a couple weeks ago, we is, is, used two of her books by Dr. Brene Brown, and she's a researcher. So all this stuff is research. All that shame stuff I talked about is her research. Perfectionism at her research. And she came up with this definition of boundaries. Um, Again, out of her research. One, she found out that boundary people are the most compassionate people. Think about that for a moment. The more boundaried you were, the more compassionate you were. And then this is her definition, and I love this definition. She uses the acronym BIG. Um, What boundaries need to be place for me to stay in my integrity to make the most generous assumptions about you. Shame makes you small. Boundaries make you big. My integrity is my values, my morals, my identity in Christ. This is who I am. This is my boundary self. This is my integrity. I'm not compromising my soul to fit into that group. I'm not compromising my beliefs so that you will say, oh, I like you, and I I don't, some of the stuff we have compromising here is not good for me. I'm saying in my integrity, I've got boundaries. And because of these boundaries, I can now make the most generous assumptions about you. This is where the compassion comes in. I am this whole person who is loved by God, who loves me in words that I cannot even fathom. I can show you generosity and compassion love you and respect you and your identity will not affect my identity because i am whole in christ this is what boundaries can do in our lives they are good for us um, another tip practice gratitude by practice i mean you actually have to do it and gratitude is again from the research that the way to combat shame is actually to express gratitude because gratitude is saying something there is something good about my life something good about my life and I am worthy enough to have that good thing happen in my life so we need to practice gratitude and sometimes it's really hard but when we're really hustling we're really overwhelmed we're really gaslighting ourselves we're really in that relationship that is not healthy this is hard, and this is when we need to do it. So start by, one once a day, writing down something that you're, you're grateful for. Write it into your little note thing on your phone, write it onto a really cute journal you have at home, write it into your a Microsoft Word document, something, start writing. And then try to get up to three things a day. And then six, try to do nine things a day. And I will put a money-back guarantee on that, you'll find your perspective on your identity is going to change. Because all of a sudden you got nine things a day in your life that's going right for you. You just might be good, you know? You just might have a lot of good stuff going on that you never even recognized. And that's why you gotta practice this. Something I taught our our tween boys, our teen boys um, just two weeks ago And I want you guys to capture this too. Failure will happen at some point. Failure does not mean you are unworthy of love and belonging. Failure means you tried because you believed you were worthy. Failure is a life value because it means you tried. You're allowed I pray we are a church family that you are allowed to try and you're allowed to fail because it means you were worthy to be trying in the first place. Let that free you guys up, you guys. And lastly, find someone who is just a few steps ahead of you in your life and trust us with your identity. Take your mask off with us and let us see you and let us speak words of truth into your life. Let us hold your identity until you understand it. Let us speak these words until you believe them about yourself. Again, I pray we are a church family that can do that. And I pray adults, you can do that for my teens. Do this for my teens. Now, tips done. There is no heart and hustle. There's there no tears in the hustle either you guys. This is, this is real. There is no heart in the hustle because the hustle drains you. Your soul is not being loved. It is armored up and you are so Tired, and then there's this and there's a quote I'm gonna give you it's coming from a book that's gonna be mentioned in a blog tomorrow on the spirit and life fa- um, w- webpage also a link for the on the Facebook page but it's a book um, called the cure by this author named John Lynch and it's a parable story so it's a really easy read it's a wonderful book hint 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 go 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 um, but this is the quote I want you to read understand No one told me that when I wear a mask, only my mask receives love. You are loved. Mask down. Let your soul be loved with the truth. You are the danger of hustling for our purpose, our identity, is that it disconnects us from our core truth, our core values, and our core intentions, all placed inside of us from the beginning of time, with your intentional birth. Is that a religion of enoughness leads us to believe that we're not good enough? We're not worthy of love and attention and connection. That we should stay in toxic relationships and friendships. That we don't have permission to choose more for ourselves other than burned out, overwhelmness, stress, and anxiety. There's a lot to talk about in those things. That's what a second hour is for. Please stay continue that conversation down the hall here and put truth to this. Bronnie Ware Ronnie um, was a hospice worker and she wrote a book about what she was learning. She called it the five regrets of the dying. These are the top five regrets. I wish I dared to live a life true to myself, not the life others expected of me. I wish I hadn't worked so hard. I wish I dared to express my feelings. I wish I'd stayed in touch with my friends. I wish that I'd let myself be happier. None of that sounds like the decisions you're making today to keep you into that hustle, right? Don't let shame come in at this vulnerable moment here. Keep your mask down. We're about to take communion. Mask off, please. Well, this is grape juice and bread. It represents the greatest love you can ever receive. It represents the brokenness. And it represents your identity. is why we do it every week at spirit life we do not want to forget that our very birth began because this God in heaven thought we were worthy enough to be born no matter what circumstance you're born into that you are worthy enough to be born and to have this chance to be take part in his love and his purpose on this earth you are a part of that and then in this is also forgiveness. This is where we drop the shame. We take this new life and we go forth in another week, remembering this truth. So Pastor Matt, would you come up, bless this, take this, you guys, with your mask off.